This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I feel so privileged to be able to bring um, the word this morning. Um, it's something that God has just been talking to me a little bit about over the past year and more um, more focused over the past couple of months. And uh, so in, in light of what I'm speaking on, I won't keep you waiting. Um, but who here enjoys waiting? Is there anyone who enjoys? No? No? We got one. All right, great. You don't need the sermon then. Um, no, I'm not a huge fan of waiting, but something that God has kind of been speaking to me about as I've been in a lot of waiting rooms recently. Um, I found that, uh, you know, between doctor's offices and ultrasounds and all that, I've just grown to expect a lot of waiting while I'm expecting. And as I was in these waiting rooms, God just kind of started to um, download some thoughts to me about the waiting rooms of our lives and what that really means to us. And uh, so this can be different things for, for all of us. And um, for some of you, that might mean that you're waiting for um, your five-year plan. You're waiting for um, a, a child or a spouse. Those can be really long things to, to try and wait for. You're waiting on, sometimes even it's a promise or a prophetic word from God that he gave you. And those, those can be somewhat difficult because you hang on to them. And as soon as you hear the word, you start believing for the word. But there's that gap between believing and receiving that you're just kind of stuck in. And that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning, is that in between, that kind of messy middle where you're believing for it, but you haven't quite received it yet. And, and the seed's been sown, and God's given you that word, but you haven't quite seen the fruit of it yet. And uh, so, I mean, we all, we all like to make plans, but I know it says in Proverbs 16, verse 9, that we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And so I'm talking about this morning, not just our plans and the plans that we like to make, but what God has placed in you. Because I know he has a plan and a purpose for every single one in this room. And uh, sometimes it's hard to be in that waiting time before you get to that, that, that plan, that purpose, that promise that God has for you. And uh, so that's what I wanted to speak into this morning. But if I can, I'll just open up with a quick prayer and we'll get right into it. So... God, I just I thank you that we can all be here together to um, hear a word from you. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would come and speak to us. Um, and to anyone who is in one of these waiting room times in their lives, Lord, that your, your word would come forth. And God, we just commit, um, we commit all of this morning to you. We thank you for all that you've already done. We thank you for your presence here. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So, yeah, I want to talk a little bit this morning about what God's been teaching me about in uh, those seasons of life, of waiting, and kind of what God's purpose is for us in that time that can kind of feel stagnant or without purpose. And I know that our society has kind of been not so great with waiting lately. And it's, I mean, we have instant everything. We have texting. We have, we have like, instant information that can go from here to there, an email, and uh, I mean, I can't imagine having to wait three days or, or a week, or how, how long did snail mail take? Clearly, I didn't use it very much, but um, to just wait for, you know, a week to get an LOL back from your friend is probably not very efficient, but uh, 
now we have everything right away. And, um, and we even like thinking of our time, we went to Wonderland last year with the youth and it was a lot of fun. But even there now they have uh, fast passes. So you don't have to wait as long to get onto the rides, which is great. Uh, but it just goes to show that in our society, there's kind of this, you know, we don't like to wait. And I mean, I'm there with you. I, I was the worst. I can't imagine um, the days where I had to still use dial-up because that's all we had. Um, yes, I'm not as young as I look. I do remember dial-up. Um, having to wait for, you know, someone to get off the phone in order to actually use the internet was a thing uh, for our youth who don't know. But that's just something that, I mean, I've even struggled with, and I know that that's something that our generation struggles with, but such a vital thing that God teaches us in those waiting times in our life is patience for the process. Patience for the process. It's something that, um, you know, as we're waiting, God is working in you so that he can work through you. And because he knows that what he's doing in you is going to make you able to carry out the promise that he's already planted the seed in you in order to carry it to, to fulfillment. So what, what he's doing for you right now is it could be multiple things. Either sometimes we only see a glimpse of what he has for us, but what he has is so much greater than what we even see. We just see the seed, and yet he has the whole plant for us. And, and um, so sometimes there needs to be character growth, and we never stop that growing, no matter what age you're at. It's not just for our youth. It's not just for the young people. Everyone always gets to grow that much more. That's the, the wonderful thing about life is you never stop. But it could be also just practical things. Like I think to something like our building fund that we just hit our goal. That's awesome. But it's a practical need too. We, you need to grow the funds. And sometimes it's just a matter of he needs to wait for your bank account to be big enough to sustain the promise that he has for you, like the promise of a building for our church, right? Woo! It's going to be great. And so he has all of these life lessons that, that help us transition into that future purpose that he has for us. So that when we get there, it's not that big leap. It's just that natural step to say, yeah, of course this is the next step. Even though maybe sometimes when we got that, that promise from God, it seemed like such a huge thing. We can still be so excited about it that we want it right now. And I know that that's, that's something that God had to work out in me. I've always been that person that was like, okay, I just wish I could get it all together so that that promise that I had today will happen tomorrow. I'm ready, God. Right? If I could just be... As, as wise as our pastors right now, then, then I'd be set, right? I know, the check's in the mail, right? <laughs> no, no but, but God, God's so good. He's, he's practical, too. And, I mean, you think of even how we do school. You have to go through grade one to get to grade two, right? If you get to grade two, you get to grade three. That's just how it goes. They don't let you go from kindergarten to calculus. Why? Because you'd fail, you wouldn't do well. And God doesn't want you to fail. God's not a God that wants to set you up for failure. So he likes to bring you through those seasons in his timing, in his perfect timing. And, and sometimes we don't always get that. And he can sometimes seem like he's moving slowly. But he says in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I love that. While we're being impatient with God, he's being patient with us. 
So as we're kind of standing here being like, okay, God, anytime, I'm ready. I'm ready for that promise. I, you can drop it on me anytime. He's like, well, actually, for your good, because I don't want you to fail, I'm going to be patient with you. Because as long as we're still being impatient, he knows that we're not ready for that promise. Because as long as there's still that impatience, he still has something to work in us. And so he's patiently waiting for us to have that patience. So, so what is patience? It's defined as the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. So I know we know about delay, we know about trouble, and this world knows way too much about suffering. But what he's looking for is our response to change in the midst of those things. So he's looking for us to keep our eyes on him so that when when those delays come, when the frustrations come, that we know that, that God is on our side and that he's working in his timing. And I love how how he works all things for his glory in the end. I like how John Piper says, he says, God aims to exalt himself by working for those who wait for him. So as he's working in us, in his perfect timing, he's working in his timing so that when he can work through us, it's to bring his glory. Isn't that awesome? That, that we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of bringing God's glory to the earth. And um, we can see a great example of that in John 11 where he raises Lazarus from the dead. And there's a delay there. His friend Mary and Martha, that we know from another story in the Bible, um, they send a messenger to Jesus and say, our brother is so sick. Our brother Lazarus is sick and you need to come heal him. And they knew that Jesus had healed people before and that that's something that he could do. So they sent the messenger, but it says that Jesus waited. He waited, and he didn't go right away. And by the time that he got there, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. That's, that's a little late in their books, right? Mary and Martha are waiting for this great miracle, and, and they have faith for it, and they're waiting for it. But, but sometimes we can be in those spots where it feels like God missed it. Like, like you're a little late. My dream's already kind of dead, right? And... And Martha comes up to him when he comes in John eleven twenty one. He says, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Sometimes we can be the same way. Say, Lord, if you had only done it my way, if you had come on my timing and done things the way I planned them, right? Then I wouldn't be frustrated. I wouldn't still be waiting. I wouldn't be in this situation. But... God's so good because he wanted to stretch the faith of Mary and Martha. And he had something even greater. You know, his, wor- his word says, behold, I do a new thing. Sometimes we're waiting for him to do the same old thing. We're waiting to see, okay, God, this is how you worked last time, step one, two, three. So I'm ready for step three. But God doesn't want to do things the same way that he did it in someone else's life or in your life before. He's waiting to do a new thing, to grow your faith, and to to bring new life. So when he came, this was the first time he had ever raised someone from the dead. It was exciting news. Jesus came and he raised Lazarus from the dead, and this was a new thing he was doing for them. 
And that's what he wants to do when, when we're patiently waiting in the process. He's patiently waiting so that he can bring his glory with a new thing, a greater thing than we could ever ask or imagine. Something that, that we can't see because he's only shown us maybe just the seed of what we're getting. And sometimes, sometimes it can be really difficult to see what he's working when our eyes are always on, eyes on the prize kind of the thing, right? Our eyes are always on that promise. And, in, and we can kind of be like the Israelites in that way, where our eyes are always on the promised land, and we don't get to see the promise in the land that we're in. And, and we lose the passion for the process. We lose the passion for, for where we are. So that's kind of the second point I wanted to make, was passion for the process. Because God is working in you, he's working on you, and he's working around you as well. And it it's, can be an exciting time when we turn our eyes to him and what he's doing in us. Because the funny thing is, when he called the Israelites out of Egypt and out of slavery, he didn't actually call them to the promised land. It says in Exodus 7, verse 16, that God tells Moses to say to Pharaoh, let my people go so they may worship me in the wilderness. He doesn't call them to the promised land. He actually calls them to the waiting room. He calls them to that time of worship, of drawing close to him, of having that passion for him before they have a passion for anything else. So that when they're there, they learn about their maker. And and he did amazing things in that desert too. But if our eyes aren't on what God's doing right here in the moment and working in us so that he can work through us, then we don't always see anything but that promise. It's almost like the blinders are on. And it can be hard when you're in that kind of desert waiting room, in that, that desert spot. It can feel like a wilderness in your life sometimes. But I love this, this quote that, yes, I found on Pinterest, because I love Pinterest. You all Pinterest, I know you do. Even Scott Pinterests. <laughs> but it, it actually was quite profound, because sometimes it feels like he's shut a door in our life. But it says, until God opens the next door, praise him in the hallway. I love that. That sometimes you're in that hallway area, but he still deserves your praise. He's still God. I mean, I have, I have a bit of a passion for worship, but, but we should worship God no matter what we're in. When we're in the desert, when we're in the hallway, when we're in those waiting rooms of life, that's when we draw near to God. That's when we say, okay, God. You're doing something in me that can't be brought about any other way so that you can get me to that point. And that's exciting. And you are good. And I'm going to praise you because of that. So sometimes we just need to look around like the Israelites and see that he's still bringing water from the rocks. He's still bringing manna every day. He's still leading you around like the Israelites had that cloud by day and a, and a pillar of fire by night. He's still there. He hasn't left you. And we just need to shift our focus onto what he's doing in the midst of where we are. And, and worship isn't just what we do on Sunday mornings. We had awesome worship with our youth this morning. You guys did great. But it's so much more than just singing on a, Monday mor- uh, on a Sunday morning. It's not what you do. It's who you are. It's how you actually live out your life with a heart before God. 
to say that no matter what I do, I'm going to do it as if unto the Lord. Even though I feel like he's kind of taking his time and I'm not happy with how he's doing things, I'm still going to do things with a heart before God in worship. Even if it's just something as simple as doing your job really well. That is an act of worship to God. That's something that you can do when you feel like you're in that stagnant state of waiting for that next thing. But it's an exciting time when he's actually working in us. He says in James 1, verse 2 to 4, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And one of those trials can be waiting, the frustrations of waiting, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Patience? But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. He wants to make you perfect and complete, lacking nothing that you need in order to step into that promise and plan that he has for you. He wants to work in you. And why do we get the joy? Because he's bringing us to that finishing point. He's doing something awesome in us. He gets to prove to you that what you believe is actually genuine. So when you go through those trials, it's one thing to hear a sermon about faith and hear a sermon about trust. And we had an awesome one from Scott earlier this year. But we can get excited about that, get the bumper sticker, put it on Facebook. And that's a whole other thing. But when God puts you in a situation where it's actually required, that's when you're put in the fire and you're tested. Because God wants to prove that you do have faith, that you do trust him. Because you get to prove it not just to yourself, but to those around you. It becomes your testimony. And that's a joy because he gets, he gets to show you, you're right. You do have faith. You do trust me. That is actually something that you believe and who you are, that you can stand on. And if someone should ever question you on that, you can say, no, I went through this. And I trusted God. And I put my faith in him because I went through the fire. I went through the testing with joy. And I worshiped him in the middle of that waiting period. Because the trial doesn't equal trouble, it actually equals opportunity. And that's what God's doing in us. He's giving us opportunities to say yes to him. Because that's what he really is after, is a heart that just says, yes, God, whatever, whatever you want, because I know that you're a good God, because I know your character, because I know that I can trust you. I'm going to say yes. Even when it feels like I'm in the dark, and I don't know what I'm saying yes to quite yet, I know that I can trust you to say yes. It's like if someone ever is like, oh, I'm going to tell you something, but you can't react. You're like, oh, I don't don't know if I can do that. But we can do that with God because we can trust him. He's not going to lay something on you that you can't handle, right? He's looking for your yes. But we get to know that character. We get to trust him and have faith as we draw close to him. And one final P is prayer in the process. As we come to him and as we draw near through prayer, it changes us. And sometimes when we're in those waiting times, when we're, we're going through a time when God is working in us and it's not so lovely and we're kind of waiting for him to, all right, get to it, our prayers can become this grocery list that's like, okay, so God, you need to do step one and then you're going to do step two and then you're going to do step three. But our, our persistent prayer isn't actually 
for us, but for us to draw closer to God, to get to know his character, to get to know and trust him and have faith in him. It's about relationship with him. Think of someone that you have a great relationship with. I mean, I talk to Scott every day, even if I don't see him. That's just the joys of shift work. Sometimes we don't see each other, but I still call him. We still talk every day. And I look forward to that because I have a relationship there. I mean, it's, it's awesome when you get that date night, right? Everybody loves date night? Yeah, it's great. But when have you ever had a date night with Jesus? Right? Have, and it's like, what a concept. I know that like, society is really busy. Life is busy. So if we schedule something like that in, just say, like, all right, Wednesday night is Jesus' date night. Right? Get close to God. Spend that time with him. Say, I want to get to know you and have a relationship with you so that when these times come, because not everybody is going to be in a waiting room right now, But when you are, it's awesome to already be there, to already have the relationship with him so that you don't have to work through everything in the midst of it. But that's what we can do through prayer because as we get to know him, he refocuses us and brings us a new perspective and a new point of view. I love how C.S. Lewis says, I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God, it changes me. We pray because it changes us. God works in us as we pray. Our our fervent, persistent prayer does something in us that God designed to happen so that it it couldn't happen any other time. But he's, he's waiting not for his mind to change, but for something in us to change as we pray, as we draw close. And it can be so simple. Sometimes... We think that prayer has to be set up a certain way and, and so formal, but it can be something as simple as, as, God, I need your help right now. Just help me out, God. Daddy, this is, this is kind of tough. Or, hey, I'm, just, I'm thinking of you. I need you right now in, in this. And, and when our thoughts turn towards him, he loves that because that's that wonderful connection, that relationship that we get with him. And so... It, he wants us to be real with him. I love how C.S. Lewis says we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. So sometimes we, we bring him, like, um, not that we mean to, but almost like, okay, I've got myself together so that I can get before God. But God wants, God wants it all. He knows what's in your heart anyways. So it's okay to bring your mess to him. It's okay to be messy sometimes before God. He wants to work through that with you. It's one thing to stay in your mess, but it's not bad to be in the mess and work through it. That's what he wants to do with you. But he can't do that if you don't get it out to him, right? Have you ever had that, that child or maybe a friend, you know they're going through something, but they just won't tell you, and you're like, man, I could help you if you'd just tell me, if we could just talk this out. And, and God knows. God knows exactly what you're going through. He's saying, just, just bring it to me. Just lay it down. It's okay. You can ugly cry. You can do whatever you need to do. He doesn't mind if the snot gets on his shoulder. It's all good. God's good that way. And I mean, if you want, if you want to see an example of it, there's actually a lot of Psalms where David is a bit of a mess. <laughs> King David. But as he lets it out, this beautiful worship starts to flow in. It's even, we, we can see in Psalm 13, it's just one example, one of the shorter ones, but he says, O oh Lord, 
How long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemies have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord. What honesty he has here. Restore the sparkle to my eye or I will die. So dramatic. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, we have defeated him. Don't let him rejoice over my downfall. And then, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. You can see that as he lets it out, as he works through his mess and lays that before God, he empties so that God can fill him with praise. Right? Yeah, he gets a little dramatic and and, I mean, he was one person who got to write it in a book, but I wouldn't suggest that we write ours in a book. It probably isn't going to be a New York bestseller. But it's, it's okay to get it out before him. He wants to hear it. He wants all your stuff to just to get out so that he can fill you. Because if it's using up all that extra space, that's space that he doesn't get to use. So as we work through that in honesty, then he can refocus us and then he can bring us back to that place where our eyes are on him and that we, we can have that unshakable trust like Scott taught us earlier, that we can know the character of God. Just like, just like Abraham was waiting for his promise. He was waiting for the promise of, of many nations to be the father of many nations, which we're still the product of that promise today, long after he died. But he was waiting for for his son Isaac to be born. And it says that his faith grew as he waited because he kept his eyes on God. And it's that perspective that we have. I love how Casting Crown says in one of their songs, if your eyes are on the storm, you'll wonder if I love you still. But if your eyes are on the cross, you'll know I always have and I always will. And it's that perspective of knowing that if I keep my eyes on him and not on the hardships of waiting and and on what God's not doing around me, then I'll see what he is doing around me. And then I'll know that I can trust him. I know that I can have faith in him to bring us to that sweet place of surrender. Because that's what God is truly waiting for. That's the patience that he has with us. That we can get to that place of saying, okay, God, I surrender. However long you want me to wait, I'll wait. Because you're good, and I know you're going to do it. And when you do it, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be way better than I could ever strive to do. But it takes that, that letting go. It says in Matthew 10, verse 39, If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. See, he can't pour into clenched fists. But when we open them up and surrender it to him... And he can pour out in what he has for us. And just like I was saying about the seed being sown, he says in John 12, verse 24, For sure I tell you, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it will only be a seed. If it dies, it will give much grain. As we surrender that seed, as we surrender just that, that small glimpse of the promise that God has put in our hearts, He says, when you plant it in me and when you let your will for it die, I'm going to give you so much more. I'm going to give you a whole harvest of grain, probably something more practical, but 
he's going to give you that whole plant of what he has for you because you surrendered, because you put it in his hands. And we can strive and work really hard to try and get that seed, or we can give it to him and let him give us the plant. Let him give us all of it. So as we, as we strive, he actually calls us to Psalm, Psalm 20, uh, 55, verse 22. Cast your burdens upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. That's so good. See, as we, as we give it to him, the, the word cast actually means to, to hurl, to fling away, to get it away from you. Give the burden to him. He wants to take it. And as we do that, he says he's going to sustain you. Why? Because it's in his hands. Everything that we've been working so hard for is now just taken care of in his hands. And he says that the righteous will not be shaken. He will not let your faith be shaken in this time. As you give it to him, it's in his hands. No matter what it is that you're waiting for this morning, if maybe you've just come through a season of waiting, if, if you're in one right now, God is faithful. He's going to make you unshakable as you give it to him, as we, as we come to a place of surrender and say, God, your ways are greater. He says in Isaiah 55, 9, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and thoughts higher than your thoughts. He has something so much greater. If we can just lay it down at his feet. It's amazing what he'll bring forth in his timing as we wait upon him, as we draw close to him, as we have a passion for what he's doing in us right now. Then we can, we can get to that point where we say, okay, God, all, that, all that's going on around me, I don't get it. I don't even maybe understand what you're doing in me right now, but I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to bring you my surrender. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.